This may sound strange, but to crime scene investigators, there's something peaceful about working with the dead. No matter how a victim's life ended, they all have a story to tell. That is, if somebody is willing to listen. For more than 30 years, Howie Ryan has been that guy. Most of that time as a state police crime scene investigator. Today, he is a crime scene reconstruction consultant and expert witness and teacher of state-of-the-art forensic techniques to law enforcement agencies worldwide. He has worked scenes you wouldn't want to experience in your worst nightmare. This podcast series will pull back the sheet on what really happens in the world of forensic investigations. It's not like what you see on TV. So hold on tight as we take a walkthrough of some gruesome crime scenes and controversial cases, many of which are too brutal for most people to imagine, and sometimes even for the experts. Join Howard Ryan and his guest experts from around the world for a no-nonsense ringside seat as they take you under the yellow tape. Hey everybody, welcome back to Under the Yellow Tape. I'm your host, Howie Ryan. Today we are going to talk about an incident that happened on a movie set in the state of New Mexico uh, back in 2021, on October 21st to be exact. You've all probably heard something about it. It's where the very famous actor Alec Baldwin was playing a lead role in uh, the production of a movie called Rust. And it was being filmed and shot on location in Santa Fe County in the state of New Mexico. And it is an old Western type movie that is obviously not been finished because of what I'm about to tell you. And during the shooting, uh, pardon the pun, of the film, filming, there was an accidental shooting or a shooting that took place where two individuals were struck by live ammunition discharged from a pistol, um, one of them being killed and the other one being wounded. It became a it became a media circus, um, obviously because the individual holding the firearm was Alec Baldwin, the the actor, and it occurred during um, a practice session of filming. The young lady who was shot and killed, her name was Helena Hutchins. Her full name was Helena Anatolievna Androsevich. She is a Ukrainian-born cinematographer. And she's been in this business for a while. She's shot multiple films and been quite accomplished in what she's done. Uh, And she was the director of photography on this particular film. She was struck by a 45 caliber round live bullet through her chest that perforated her body, meaning it passed through, and struck another director by the name of Joel Souza, who was standing behind her. He did not die. The bullet was removed at surgery from him. There's a number of reasons why this has become a big story in the media. One, it's a movie set. This is not supposed to happen. Two, you have a very famous actor involved in this. But three, his statements and his attitude after have become something that has been talked about quite a bit. Uh, He expressed sorrow, but immediately started pointing fingers at everybody else as to why this happened. Well, the reason I'm doing this now is because a few days ago, on January 31st of 23, the state of New Mexico, County of Santa Fe, First Judicial District Court uh, filed paperwork on the statement of probable cause 
to charge Alexander Ray Baldwin III, otherwise known as Alec Baldwin, with involuntary manslaughter and the death of Helena Hutchins. There are other people involved in this, which we'll go through, who also have been charged. And we'll touch on that. And as we talk about this one here, it's kind of all-encompassing. The names, you know, there's multiple, there's charges filed against different people. So a little backstory, and I'm not that well-versed in this area, but, um, you know, in movies, a lot of action movies, old Western movies and things like that, there are firearms. And it's kind of funny that we have so many anti-firearm people in this country, but they'll all sit down and watch a movie with a lot of gunfights and explosions and things like that and think it's just riveting. Now, you might wonder, how does somebody get shot for real on a movie set? And the first question that that your most average lay person is going to ask, do they use real guns? And why, do, why would they shoot real bullets? Well, they are real guns as of right now. That may change. Uh, and it is changing. And we'll talk about that as well. But the second part is, why do they have real bullets? Well, that never, ever, ever, ever should happen. That just shouldn't be occurring. And and that that is one of the specific parts of this complaint or this story that everybody's going to want to know about and want to hear. And it's something that has to be asked and quite honestly answered to get a, to get a good understanding of what went on here. So on October 21st, they were filming this scene or they were practicing for a scene in this movie called Rust. And it was out on a rural county road, uh, County Road 45. It's called Bonanza Creek Ranch. I don't know whether really it's a movie set. I mean, if you look at the aerial photos of it, it looks kind of like a movie set and maybe they, they lease it out for, for shooting movies. And since the time of the shooting till now, there's been a substantial amount of evidence collected by the Santa Fe County Sheriff. There has been many, many statements uh, taken of the people or persons involved or witnesses that were there. And there has been tests done by laboratories, extensive testing done on firearms and ammunition and things of that nature to try to get a better handle before they could make a decision on whether or not they felt there was any criminal activity here and charges you know, could be brought up or even considered. So they did a lot of statements, a lot of interviews, a lot of evidence. And I'll go through the statement of probable cause filed in the court bit by bit. And it's very telling. Now, I have to admit, when I first heard about this case, it was on the news and everybody was like, Alec Baldwin accidentally shot somebody on a, on a TV set uh, There was a, or a movie set. There was a gun with a live round and how did this happen? And they said, he's, you know, he's going to get it. He's, and I was one of the first persons to go, well, wait a minute. I mean, I don't know anything about this, but, and I don't, at the time, I didn't know much about how the firearms were handled on movie sets, what precautions were in place. But my first inclination is to say, well, well, who's responsible for the actual guns? Who's responsible for the firearms? There's got to be some system in place, right? Where, you know, an actor doesn't just show up with his own gun. There's got to be something done. And if you look at a lot of movies, military movies and things like that, you have pyrotechnic people involved. Some of these uh, weapons are full automatic weapons, belt fed weapons, military style weapons. They got to get them from somewhere. There's got to be some uh, company that provides this, that has proper licensing that can bring them on a set and set it up safely or whatever. Where are those people? And then it came out, there was a young, a young lady who was in that position there. And we will talk about her as well. So I said, well, it's probably going to be more her fault than anybody else's fault. 
And that's what a lot of people, you have a lot of criminal defense attorneys, uh, you know, getting their 15 minutes of fame on the news saying, oh, it's going to be a very difficult case to prosecute. It's ridiculous. They shouldn't have charged him. It's clearly the 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 fault of of the person in charge of the firearms and how did this how could this have possibly happened blah 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 well i was somewhat in agreement not knowing much about it but as i read the statement of probable cause there's a lot more to this and there's a lot more to alec baldwin's role not just as an actor but as a producer of this film and with that role of producer, apparently comes responsibilities and authorities. And some of these producers are the ones, they are uh, just the word, as the word implies, producing this event. So to produce it, you are responsible for some of the things that go on. Maybe the contracts, who's getting paid, how much are they getting paid? Who are we bringing in? What are we allowed to do? What are we not allowed to do? How about safety? Who does that fall under? Well, ultimately it's going to fall at some point under the production staff of which he is a main member. This particular day, uh, October 21st, what some of their investigation has found that sometime after lunch on that day, and I'm gonna read some of this to you, the crew, the crew, production staff, camera crew, and actors were preparing for a scene set in an old church. It was not an established rehearsal, nor had filming commenced on the scene. At this point, Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, he was seated in what is referred to and appears to be a church on the movie set. He was in possession of a 45 caliber long cult caliber revolver type firearm, one of a type and kind often used or, and or seen in Western genre type movies. The firearm is a single action revolver. Now, it becomes important. I'll explain what that means in a little bit. A single action revolver handgun, which requires the cocking of the exposed hammer, which then rotates the cylinder and sets a projectile in place and then the pressing of the trigger is required to actually fire the weapon. Now, what I just said there sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo, but it's actually critically important. So it's a 45 caliber long Colt old revolver. It's an old Western style revolver. It is single action. The hammer has to be manually cocked back and then the trigger is depressed. The interesting thing about something like this, if you have pressure on that trigger, if the hammer is forward, it's just seated and you press the trigger, nothing's going to happen. But if your finger is pressing on the trigger and you activate the hammer or you move the hammer back, it will release and that hammer will impact whatever is in the chamber, the primer of whatever is in the chamber. And on these movie sets, what they're supposed to have when they're filming, actual filming of the, of the incident is blanks, which means there's going to be a cap go off. There's going to be an explosion of what sounds like a gunshot or looks like it, but there's no projectile. There's no bullet. Nothing is coming out in the form of, of the lethal projectile because they, they're not supposed to exist anywhere on a movie set, live projectile filled rounds. <clears throat> so the firearm, the single action, he's, he's in possession of it. Now, as they explain, in front of Mr. Baldwin standing were victims, Helena Hutchins and Joel Souza, two, two directors. They were viewing and moving a camera for a possible setup for a scene later. They were setting up a shot. And this was to uh, occur at a later undetermined date and time. So they're just doing a run through here, maybe a little rehearsal. Through these same statements, interviews, and physical evidence, it was learned that Helena Hutchins was the director of photography for the film and Souza was the director or writer for the film. Now, evidence and information obtained showed Baldwin was seated in a pew within this church, facing in a northerly direction. And he's facing towards the front of the church. 
directly in front of him was Helena and Sousa standing right behind her. They further described that Alec Baldwin was wearing a shoulder holster, which was built for a right hand draw, meaning the gun was underneath his left shoulder or, or armpit. And it was securing and holding that 45 caliber long Colt revolver. And it's a single action, six shot revolver. Baldwin was practicing drawing and pointing the weapon for the scene with guidance and instruction from Helena Hutchins and Joel Souza. The idea of this was going to be a, a close-up of Baldwin and the firearm with the lighting set and everything it was going to be very dramatic. And we've seen some of that on the news clips as he drew the weapon and pointed it. So the whole idea was close-up, lighting, lighting him up, fill the frame with Baldwin, and the firearm comes up, points in a direction, and that's the shot. It's a piece of an overall production. Hutchins and Sousa were viewing the practice scene on a monitor that was attached to the camera, which is very common. Baldwin drew the revolver from the holster as they were practicing, pointed it at Helena Hutchins, and fired the weapon. Now, in this document, it's very important the wording. He drew it, he pointed it, and he fired it. He drew it, he pointed it, he fired it. In a lot of the media descriptions and writings of this, they say when the weapon discharged, when the weapon fired, when it went off. They, they, they're all shying away from saying when he did this. And maybe it's because they didn't know, or maybe because they were favoring him, maybe giving him a little uh, a benefit of the doubt, whatever that may be. But the truth of the matter is, he did draw the gun. That's what he was practicing. He did point it in the direction of Helena Hutchins, and he did fire the weapon. So when reviewing the script in the course of their investigation and doing countless witness, witness interviews, the scene did not require the weapon to be fired. That's also important. So it's not like, well, this is what was supposed to happen. You were not, this was a, something where they were going to draw the weapon and test it out and check the angle and the lighting and, all right, I think we got it, you know, let's wrap it up or whatever they say. The other thing is, and the proper protocols in this field is, that weapon should not have even been on set. This was not a filming moment. So from what they're explaining is, the protocols in, in the film industry is, you use a replica or a plastic gun to rehearse these scenes. And even if there was another gun there, you never even load the what's supposed to be blanks into this. So there's no firing going on. And I'll get into what whose job that was to set all that up. But when they reviewed the script and they looked at the script, they have to, right? Okay, what were you guys doing? Well, we were practicing. All right, let's see. What, you have it written down what you were practicing? Yeah, here's the script. Well, the script says we're not even supposed to be firing the weapon. It was also determined, uh, determined by consulting expert armorers, real expert armorers, that in a rehearsal, a plastic gun or replica should be used. However, Baldwin fired the single action Colt revolver, resulting in the discharge of a projectile. That's a problem. Now we have a projectile loaded into a prop gun, an actual bullet. That projectile was discharged from that firearm, and it struck and traveled through the right armpit of Miss Helena Hutchins. It exited her back, and this is from the medical examiner's report, and then struck Joel Souza in the right shoulder and lodged into his right back. So we have a perforating gunshot through the female victim. Bullet continues forward and is a penetrating gunshot into Mr. Souza. Now, at 1.48 p.m., this shooting was reported to Santa Fe County Regional Emergency Communication Center on a 911 call. Fire, emergency, personnel, paramedics came out. 
and the Santa Fe County Sheriff's began an investigation into the shooting under a case number of a death investigation. At that point, they're they're still looking. This is very odd. You know, you're a police department, you get a shooting. Uh, you're responding to movie sets where people die of gunshots in the in a, in the filming of a scene where a gun is supposed to be used. This is very unusual. The fact that it took a little time for them to hash this out and iron this out, they first have to determine, well, I don't know, what goes on in movie sets? What's acceptable, what's not? Is there acceptable policies and practices? What do your insurance companies require as far as error and omission, general liability, what safety people are supposed to be on scene? Are there medical people supposed to be there? Was there anybody medically trained even there to render the first aid? I don't know. They don't mention that anywhere in here. But you have to figure there is protocols set in place for something like this. You're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry. There has to be something done. So they come out and they start this uh, investigation. They were both transported to the hospital. She was flown to a hospital, I believe, in Albuquerque. Yeah, the University of New Mexico Hospital, probably a level one trauma center in Bernalillo, Bernalillo County, Albuquerque. She was pronounced dead at 3.37 p.m. by the attending medical personnel. Sousa was treated from a different hospital and released, but they, they removed the projectile from his body and it was handed over to the Santa Fe County Sheriff. Further evidence, they recovered the projectile first. In their investigation, what they found is the projectile, the first thing it struck was Miss Hutchins. In other words, there was no evidence that it struck something else or ricocheted off another intermediary target, any other object that redirected the bullying and say, well, you know, and, and the reason why that's important is because there's defense attorneys. Look, Mr. Baldwin has a lot of money. He's going to hire a legit defense team. They're going to come in here. It's going to be a tough case to prosecute, but he's going to hire a big team. And they're going to say, well, we were doing this and doing this, and I wasn't really aiming it at them. Well, this investigation is pretty thorough right now. And what they're saying is, it was not, it did not hit anything else. What that means to the layperson is, and you got to be very, this is very important, is that he pointed the gun at her. And, and then maybe she was standing in a spot to get the, to get the, 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 the film, but he pointed it at her and he fired it. The gun didn't go off by itself. He fired it. Now I'm not saying he had an intention to harm her. I don't believe that at all, but I also believe that he is in control of the weapon. So he's firing the weapon. He fires the weapon. It doesn't hit anything else but her, which means he aimed at them. Now, that's not an intentional attempt to injure, but it might be a little bit, you know, negligent because you're not even supposed to have that gun in the first place. And you're the guy in charge of everything, or at least one of the guys in charge. So that is kind of um, an important thing. So, you know, to say, well, we discharged the gun in a safe manner, but it bounced off something. No, that's not what happened. You didn't do that. You aimed it right at her. Now, there are, in, in the course of their investigation, they researched, well, what is the proper protocol? I'm sure they reached out to all sorts of film industry people and say, you know, there's so many movies made with guns and military and cowboys and blah, blah, blah. What's the, what are the safety requirements? Well, the requirements are you have to have um, firearm training prior to filming. Anybody that's going to be handling a firearm actor-wise that's going to be in one of these movies has to go through some kind of training. That's not crazy. That makes perfect sense. Look, I'm going to hand you a gun. It's going to have blanks in it, and um, you're going to be pointing it. One, we want you to look good. We want you to look authentic. We want you to look realistic. We're, we're making a film here, and we want people to believe this is entertaining. So 
we want you to look right. So you're going to get training that way. And he was only provided minimal training on the firearms. It, it was, it was sad because they said the firearms training that he was supposed to receive, he only received a portion of it. And during the time, and this is multiple people talking about the, what the training was, he was on the phone speaking to his family through most of the training session. And he made some statements later on that he's an expert in firearms in the film industry. And we're going to get into some of the statements that he made after this event that I don't think are going to help him, uh, to be quite honest. Here's an interesting thing that I did not think of when I started to read this. OSHA, the Occupational Safety Hazard, whatever. You know, OSHA does a lot of workforce injury investigations in all kinds of construction sites and whatever it may be. OSHA will come in and safety and hazards and they, they inspect and this and that. Well, OSHA came in because this was a working movie set and did their own looking into. So statements, depositions from OSHA and evidence show that Baldwin was provided only minimal training. Even after Reed, who was the assigned armorer, requested more training for Baldwin. In the deposition taken from her, she stated Baldwin had very limited training on the cross draw that was required for the scene and limited training in firearms and how to check his own firearm as to whether it was loaded or unloaded, in which Reed felt it was very important for his role in Rust. Training session for at least an hour or more in length was scheduled, but the actual training only consisted of about 30 minutes, and he was distracted and talking on his cell phone to his family during the training. When the police arrived, Baldwin approached the responding deputies on the day of the shooting, wanting to talk to them. Says he was, I was the one that fired the gun. His words, I was the one that fired the gun, which later he recanted. So this woman, I believe her name is Hannah Gutierrez Reed. She was the armorer that was hired to participate in this. And she is the one that's now saying, you know, this should have been, he should have had more training. And it was not, it was not, uh, he, di he didn't take the time to do this. But the truth of the matter is when she's going to give this training, we're going to find out here shortly that she's not really even qualified to do this. And that's going to be another big, gigantic issue. And you might say, well, she, she did it and blah, blah, blah. She's charged, by the way. So there's going to be that. They're all pointing fingers at one another right now. So later in interviews, and this is one of these things, man, this is where you got to just not talk. Alec Baldwin decided, I got to, I got to, I got to stem this thing off before it gets out of control. So he starts giving media interviews and there is one, I don't know the network, but he's, but he's being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos. And he basically said, uh, I never fired the revolver. It just went off you know, by itself. He made this assertion public as well in multiple media interviews after that. And many media interviews and law enforcement interviews were conducted by Baldwin, where he displayed very inconsistent accounts of what happened during the incident. So he's, his stories are going back and forth, which is probably giving his lawyers fits because he went out and ran his mouth because he thinks he's super important and he can manipulate and he's going to tell the story. He wants to, he's trying to frame the story on the front end. Well, there's a lot of things that go on in this investigation that are going to, are going to tell truths. And that's why in criminal investigation, we always say statements must match the physical evidence, not the other way, excuse me, not the other way around. Physical evidence doesn't have to match statements because physical evidence doesn't lie. People making statements are very capable of lying or being mistaken. Um, there is ample photo and video evidence from inside the church. Because one of the things that Mr. Baldwin asserted was, I would never, George Stephanopoulos asked him, did you fire the gun? And he 
in his typical actor mode, and it's terrible. Because I was a fan of Alec Baldwin, his acting, not him as a person, but his acting. He's good. He's very good. I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie he was involved in that I did not like. He's been great in some movies and some comedic roles. But in this particular thing, he's looking all baggy-eyed and all stressed out, which I can understand. And Stephanopoulos asks him, did you fire the gun? He just squints his eyes. No, 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 no. Of course, of course not. Like, silly question. He says, uh, I, would, I would never do that. I would never point a gun at somebody. I mean, all my training, my training tells me, no, I don't do that. And you're sitting there going, dude, there's videos of you on this camera practicing, pulling the gun out. Your finger is within the trigger housing of the pistol on the trigger itself. There's other videos showing you manipulating the hammer of the firearm. So that's a problem. And he's going to have to deal with that problem because he's out telling everybody he didn't pull triggers. He would never do this. I have training. Well, now we have evidence that you didn't get the training you were supposed to. And the training you did get, you spent on the phone talking to your family. And then you're making statements that you never put your finger on the trigger. You would never do something like that. And we have video evidence of you doing just that. So that's an issue. The detectives that were there seized that revolver immediately. It was later submitted to the FBI. Now, most states do their own work, but they're going to send this to the FBI. I guess this is a big deal, whatever. I don't know how many guns the FBI lab actually does. They probably do quite a bit for rural counties. Most states with sophisticated labs do their own. But so they send it down to the FBI lab for examination and analysis. Now, a part of this examination, they conduct what we call an operability test. Does the gun work? And what they're looking at is for functions, proper functioning or malfunctions of any particular firearm. So what they do is they try to get these weapons to fire without the trigger being depressed. How do we drop it through this? Did it impact the hammer, striking the hammer and various multiple things, banging it on a solid object and striking the hammer of the revolver with an actual hammer or a mallet? They did this. The revolver did not malfunction, meaning it did not fire when it should not or accidentally discharge. In other words, the gun doesn't go off on its own. And the analysis they did says clearly showed the weapon could not accidentally fire. For the weapon to fire, the trigger had to have been depressed or pressed. Okay? So this is another very important thing. They took the time and the effort to have another agency independently and objectively test this weapon. Look, we have a, we have a participant in this, in this horrible incident saying this gun may have discharged accidentally which would be a, a whole different game. Okay, well, let's take that gun and run it through a battery of tests to see whether that's even possible. Well, the answer is no, that's not possible. So therefore, the line of the gun just went off is incorrect, not correct. I want to just explain something. We teach a lot of shooting reconstruction classes. And one of the things we always talk about, because in law enforcement, in the military, there are what we call accidental or unintentional discharges of firearms. It can happen on the range. We're unloading or loading. We're dealing though with live rounds. I mean, intentionally dealing with live rounds. When you see a police officer on the street that has a firearm on his or her hip, there are live rounds in that firearm. And there are live rounds in the magazine pouch on their belt. So these are people that have them every day. And if you have any prolonged exposure to firearms, there is a chance there's going to be an accident. And accidents do happen. The way you reduce accidents is training, minimizing any situations where, dangerous situations where things could go awry. That's why safety procedures and protocols are set in place. And what we have found, and it's kind of, 
I, I find this comical. In law enforcement specifically, whenever we've had accidental discharges, men and women, meaning a male officer and a female officer, will actually behave differently. I've seen this, I don't know how many times. Men will lie to you. And they will say that, the gun just went off. Just like Alec Baldwin was saying, the gun just went off. Men will do that. They're like, shit, I got to get out of this. I'm in trouble. Women will get upset. For the most part, they'll get upset, apologize, maybe even tear up, get emotional. And they'll admit it. I, I screwed up. Women will generally step up to the plate and say, sorry, I messed up. Men will try everything in their power to get out of it. They are like little boys that just grew fatter, larger, and hairier. They never actually grow up. And I'm a guy. I'm telling you this. It is what it is. Whenever I say this to a class, they all laugh. And the women go, yep, that's pretty much true. So the men will say it just went off. And you'd look at them and say, look, man, I'm going to send this pistol out to the manufacturer. We're going to do our own test. Then they're going to do a test. And I'm going to have professional armors and, and actual manufacturers of this thing tell us it works fine. And they will look at you straight in the face. And go, ah, yeah, man, I don't know what happened. It just went off. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm anxious to find those results. No, the result is you pulled the fucking trigger. That's what happened. It was, a, it was an accident, maybe, but it happened. In this case, this is not just an accident of him hitting a trigger. The series of events in this shooting of Helena Hutchins that added up to her death are substantial. These are not police officers. These are not real-life cowboys. These are not military people that are issued live ammunition in the course of their duties. Folks, this is an actor. These are actors. This is the land of fucking make-believe, okay? These are people that are paid an exorbitant amount of money to pretend to be somebody else and convince us that it's realistic. This is the entertainment industry. It's kind of like athletes. You're the court jester. You entertain us. They're not supposed to have live bullets. So the very f simple fact that there was live ammunition present on a movie set is a massive problem. And the people that are responsible for that, aside from the obvious of whoever it is who physically brought the live ammunition there, is the people that are in charge of the safety procedures of this event, one of them being Alec Baldwin as the producer. Now, the FBI looked at various types of and kinds of ammunition seized at the scene including the prop truck where everything was located. There were dummy rounds in there, meaning rounds that won't fire. They have no, no charge. There was blank rounds. A blank round is, it has some sort of gunpowder or explosive powder in it, but there is no projectile. So it just makes a bang like a firecracker. Nothing is coming out. No, no bullet is coming out. Okay, so that's a blank. And suspected live ammunition. They looked at this and said, this looks like live ammo. We're going to have it tested. What they found was a total of five suspected live rounds were found and one spent casing, which was the one discharged in this shooting. And they were all seized by investigators. The evidence and statements indicated that aside from what Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who is the armorer on this production, may have brought to the set whether all weapons and ammunition, blank and dummy for the productions, were obtained from a supply company in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So the detectives investigated these facts, including a service of a search warrant at that place in Albuquerque. I'm not going to say their name because they didn't necessarily do anything wrong. And they checked all their props and supplies of their, their suppliers and dummies and blanks to the movie set Rust. Several suspected live rounds of 45 long cult caliber cartridges were seized as a result. Some supplied by the company owner to investigators and some found at the place of business. These rounds were submitted 
to the FBI for comparison with the live rounds found at the scene. The explosives chemistry, as they call it, examination of the round showed that the smokeless powder in the live rounds found at the scene did not match the live rounds seized from the props. What I'm saying here is this short stops Alec Baldwin, his attorneys, Gutierrez, her attorneys from saying, well, the prop company must have mixed them in. And that's how this happened. In other words, to try to deflect blame on the prop company out of Albuquerque, they did an explosives chemistry test and they found these aren't the same. What it means is the live rounds on Rust did not match the rounds of explosive chemistry taken from the arms and prop company, which means that they were brought to the set by somebody else. Okay. The FBI also determined that the five live rounds were indeed live bullets, live 45 caliber rounds, each of them possessing an unfired primer, powder, and a bullet, a projectile. So for those of you out there that are not gun people, in a bullet that goes in a handgun, whether it's a semi-automatic or a revolver, there's components. There is a primer. So when the hammer strikes this bullet on the primer, it ignites the primer powder. That will in turn ignite the powder within the cartridge, which is the bigger bang. That explosion pushes the bullet down the barrel. You have to have primer powder, smokeless gunpowder, and a projectile to be the live round. And the FBI determined that these five rounds recovered were in fact live rounds, each possessing, each possessing an unfired primer, an unfired powder, and a bullet as a part of the entire cartridge case, the entire bullet. They were found by detectives at the crime scene and detective and uh, crime scene uh, investigators while processing the scene. Now listen to this. The five rounds were found in the following locations. <laughs> You think they would all be in one place, right? Ah, somebody had a handful of rounds and they threw them over here. Nope. One was found by a lieutenant in his patrol vehicle because he had seized it from Reed, the armorer, upon his arrival. Fuck, she's doing with it. We'll have to find that out later. Two of them were from the top of the armorer's cart. This is the cart where all the prop guns and shit are located. So I have live rounds in the armorer's cart. And in one spent live round casing, which came out of Baldwin's firearm, one from a bandolier on the cart, and one from Baldwin's holster, located inside the church where the filming was going on. One from an ammunition box located on the armorer's cart. So there's really actually a total of six live rounds were on the scene. Five of them were still live. One was shot off by Alec Baldwin. And they were located all over the, all over the place. This episode of Under the Yellow Tape is brought to you by Sheepdog Java Coffee Company. The Sheepdog. The Sentinel, protecting the flock while it sleeps, keeping the wolves at bay. The sheepdogs in everyday life are your first responders. On the job 24-7, keeping watch while your family lives the American dream. The men and women of our armed forces, our nurses and firefighters, our paramedics, laboratory scientists, and of course, our police officers. It's really not a job, it's a calling. Now we are honored to serve them Introducing Sheepdog Java. We're more than just a coffee company. So join the pack. Try Sheepdog Java today in support of your first responders and enjoy each cup with peace of mind. For more information, check us out at sheepdogjava.com. First of all, live rounds have no place being on a movie set. You're not shooting live rounds. Ever. Two, they're scattered all over and they got mixed in with things. And somebody loaded it in the weapon. Like a monkey shit fight at a zoo when that finger pointing starts of who did it. And that's already kind of started. 
they look into Alec Baldwin's career and his history in movies and firearms on movies and this and that. So as an actor, he has extensive experience in the film industry involving firearms, right? As a result, he should have known better and he failed as a producer and as an actor to demand that at least two safety checks between the armorer and himself and witnessing the handling of firearms by a first assistant director were done. These are all standard protocols. Standard protocol is the armorer is to show the actor the firearm, pull the bullets out in front of the actor and demonstrate that there are no live rounds, but only dummies in the firearm. Now, Baldwin knows this because of his extensive history and himself calling himself an expert in the field. He did not do this. Gutierrez Reed, hereafter they say referred as Reed, she's the armor. She did not do this protocol in front of Baldwin. Baldwin did not object to this not happening. She discusses in her interviews with OSHA and the law enforcement that should have occurred. Now, let's go back to OSHA. OSHA is not a criminal investigator. They have no law enforcement authority. They have no charging authority. They're there to talk about safety violations. It's mostly from a really results in more of an insurance related thing. Like, you know, are we doing this stuff so we can't get sued and people don't get hurt? That's what, what it is. So she basically explains in her interview with OSHA, why is that important? Well, it's completely independent and objective. And it's independent, especially from a law enforcement investigative component. In other words, they don't have a dog in the hunt as far as criminally charging anybody. They're looking for safety violations in a workplace. And what they found was like the mother load. So it's really powerful evidence on an indictment because, or a grand jury hearing, or even in a trial, because they, they're not biased. They're not, they're not looking to charge Alec Baldwin or Gutierrez Reed. They're just looking for safety violations. And all these people gave statements to both OSHA and law enforcement, and they marry up. She also acknowledges in her interviews that she should have been in the church when the, with the firearms at all times. So she's basically throwing herself down hard. She, look, she fucked up and, and she's going to get slammed for it. But Baldwin directly pointed a firearm at Hutchinson Souza. Now, whether guided by her directions or not, he should know. What they're saying is he should know. Look, you've been doing this as a long career. You're 64 years old. You've been in so many films. You know what this is supposed to be. You're also a director, so you have vicarious liability. You are in charge of these people. You hired them or you were in the process of, of the hiring of these people. You were involved in this. The, they're saying this is a reckless deviation from known standards. Now you might say, yeah, that's all good and well and good, but that's really a civil matter. Well, yes, but he's also the one holding the gun and firing it. So he's also the one mishandling it. So it kind of lends it in. Now I'm going to get to the law, the actual law that he's charged with at the end of this, and you make your own decisions. So the reckless deviation from known standards and the practices and protocols the deviation of all of these directly caused the fatal shooting by not receiving the required training. And this is just a list of things here. Not receiving the required training. Basically, he decided not to. Deviating from the required duties of checking the firearm with the armor. Letting the armorer leave the church against protocol. Deviating from the practice of only accepting the firearm from an armorer, not dealing with the safety complaints on the set, which had been made before. There was other accidental discharges of of blanks on the set, not making sure the protocol of safety meetings was even occurring, putting your finger on the trigger of a real gun, not using a replica firearm for the practice session, which you're supposed to do, and f and then pointing the gun at Hutchins and Sousa, the overall handling of the firearm in a negligent manner, 
They're saying he acted with a willful, and that's a very important word, a willful disregard of the safety of others in a manner which endangered other people, specifically Hutchinson Sousa. And they're saying Baldwin clearly should have known the danger of his actions which led to the death of Hutchins. Now, he's the producer. Let's talk a little bit about that. Industry standards, best practices, common practices, historical practices, policies and or procedures, and union guidelines require and or mandate certain members of a filming crew have, assume, or are assigned certain obligations and responsibilities. Everybody has their lane. Industry experts and or armorers are consulted for information and evidence in this industry. So the, the investigators went outside and said, look, let's go to some of the best armorers and experts in this field that operate on big films, and we're going to get their opinions and, and, get, and hear what they have to say. Baldwin was asserted and is clearly shown to be a producer of this particular film. Now, based on his position, Baldwin, through acts and or omissions, contributed or failed to mitigate or address multiple significant safety violations that resulted in multiple noted incidents of recklessness leading up to and contributing to and causing the shooting. So there's other things going on. This is not an isolated thing. There was other things going on. Since the shooting, he has asserted publicly he's an, quote, expert in the realm of firearms and filmmaking. This is one of his dumb public comments that's going to come back and bite him in his ass. Uh, the investigation of Baldwin has been involved in at least 40 films. 40, folks. 40 films. That's a, that's a storied career. There's so many struggling actors out there. This guy's got 40 films and he's, you know, he's crushing it. So he should have known how to do this. Evidence showed he failed to appear for the manual firearms training prior to the filming. He requested and was afforded a training session on set, and that, through statements, the training was estimated to be about 30 minutes. They're saying Baldwin was in a position to manage, oversee, commence, and require safety training to industry standards. His failure to ensure minimum standards were met is considered reckless within the industry. Now, further evidence showed that the production company hired Hannah Gutierrez-Reed as a lead armorer for the production. That was her job. Evidence also shows she possessed no certification or certifiable training in this field or even a union card for that practice. And that she admitted she was the armor for only one other film prior to this in April of 2021. As a producer of a firearms intense film, evidence shows that Baldwin allowed, through acts or omissions, the hiring of an inexperienced and unqualified individual for this production in Reed. He failed to mitigate or establish more precautions to protect against Reed's inexperience, and he failed to demand that minimum safety standards were met. So when, when I started this off and we talked about this, and I said, man, he's an actor. If somebody handed him a gun, I mean, it's going to be tough. When you start looking at his role as a producer, the liability or the vicarious liability, we always said in, in, in our job, vicarious liability, shit flows downhill, right? Why does the junior guy always get the lousy details? Well, that's because shit flows downhill. But vicarious liability goes uphill. And it goes up to him as a producer. And when you marry that up to him handling the gun inappropriately and it being video documented that he's doing that, he's got a problem. This is a problem. Now, there's another individual, Sarah Zachary. She was hired as the prop master for the production. As if the other things weren't bad enough, she was assigned to assist Reed with her armoring duties. There's another girl that doesn't know shit about guns. But we're going to put her in charge. Evidence and statements show that Sarah Zachary possessed little to no experience with firearms, firearm safety, armorer duties, or responsibilities. So we'll just make her like an assistant armorer, because that makes sense. It also shows that Sarah Zachary was assigned to allowed 
assigned to and allowed to load and unload ammunition and firearms. What fucking super genius came up with that idea? What's, what I think you're going to find here is they tried to do this all on the cheap. They didn't want to hire the studs in the industry. Hey, let's get these people. We can pay them next to nothing. I mean, what could go wrong? Now, prior to the shooting, this girl, Sarah Zachary, had a negligent discharge herself while handling a revolver. It fired a blank, but it probably scared the ever-loving shit out of everybody that were around her. Um, she was holding and manipulating a weapon while walking, and she discharged a blank cartridge into the ground next to her foot. Again, when that happened, Baldwin, as a producer, failed to act to address this reckless situation to direct Reed to mitigate or address the situation herself. This isn't supposed to be happening. So this is like, this is a cumulative effect that resulted in the worst possible scenario, the worst, the worst event that could happen. Also prior to the shooting, another negligent discharge was committed by a stunt double as he was handling a, a lever action period rifle that was loaded and left unattended with the stunt performer while in a holding tent. So he's back in a break room and he cracks a round off a, a blank out of a, a lever action rifle. Again, they say Baldwin failed to act to mitigate any of that and do anything about it. So it just kept going until the, the final incident here. There's supposed to be daily safety meetings on these shows. I mean, you're dealing with this stuff. None of them happened. Now, in October 20th, the day before, when I read this, I almost fell off the chair. October 20th, the day before, the original camera crew resigned. The day before Helena Hutchins was shot and killed, the camera crew resigned, citing safety concerns as well as commute times where they were being and pay, but safety concerns. So somebody's documented the day before, look, you guys are a little screwed up here. There's some shit going on that shouldn't be happening. I'm out of here. This is too far from home anyways. Nope. A new crew comes in and then she's shot and killed. There was a lot of statements made by a lot of different people. There's going, there's going to be a few other people here that are involved and we're not going to get into all of those, but we're, we're trying to really just focus on him because this is the, the charge that the media is talking about. Um, but there's assistant directors, this guy Hall, last name Hall. He's supposed to be involved in this. He's required to announce a crew when a fireman's going to be fired on a scene. None of this stuff was going on. He actually provided, he's the one that some people are saying provided Baldwin the actor, actually handed him the firearm. So what you can see is this is this uh, this Sarah Zachary's getting thrown under the bus, Gutierrez Reed's getting thrown under the bus. They all deserve a place under the bus here. Hall's being thrown under the bus. Who handed it to him? Who loaded it? Who unloaded it? They're all gonna, you know, pointing fingers in opposite directions. So like I said, it's 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 going to be a who's who, who did what of of what what's going on. There's a lot of conflicting statements that were going on as far as who did what, who after lunch through the safety of the check of the farms. Nobody apparently did it. The accepted standards are that this is supposed to be done. There's a routine. There's a there's a policy and a set of procedures in place, and if you follow them, you are going to seriously minimize the chance of an accident like this. And I'm not even talking about the live rounds. That is a mistake of unimaginable consequences. You're, you're dealing with operable firearms and, you, and some idiot brought live rounds on. Now, there was a statement, I don't know how true it is, but that they were in their downtime, they were out plinking cans in the desert. Oh, okay, maybe you were. Uh, it's a huge mistake though. So you thought, we're bored, we have all these guns, you know, can we shoot them? And somebody decided that was a good idea. If you got some guy, some heavy hitter Hollywood armorer who's, you know, the best in the business and you, and you tell him, hey man, can you bring some bullets and shit? I, I want to go shoot cans in it. He's going to look at you, are you out of your fucking mind? No, no, we don't do that. I, I would assume like that, you know, that, that a real guy is going to go, nope, 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 nope. So in the standards, there's supposed to be this. Common firearm safety procedures on movie sets require armor 
after conducting a safety check with the first assistant director to do, conduct a second safety check with the actor. They didn't do any of this. And they're basically saying that he acted with a willful disregard of all of the safety. Evidence exists clearly to show that Hutchins was killed when Baldwin fired, Baldwin fired, not a firearm discharge, a Baldwin fired a firearm that he pointed at her. His deviation from known standards, practice, and protocol directly caused the fatal death of Hutchins. Now, here's where we get into the charge. Robert Schilling is a special investigator for the district attorney. He filed the statement of probable cause. Last line says, probable cause exists that Baldwin committed involuntary manslaughter contrary to and defined in New Mexico, a New Mexico statute 30-2-3 titled manslaughter. And it's really 30-2-3 B as in boy. And what it says is in the commission of a lawful act, which might produce death in an unlawful manner or not and, or which might cause death without due caution and circumspection, circumspection meaning caution or prudence, or during the unlawful act not amounting to a felony. So in the commission of a lawful act, which might produce death without due caution. In other words, were you cautious? Were you doing something lawful? You're filming a movie. Everything there is lawful up to this point. But did you cause the death without, because you didn't use due caution or circumspection or prudence in your actions? You decide. It's a, it's, it's a pretty clear, and it's going to be, if he, if he's found guilty of this, it is a fourth degree felony. So a lot of people say, will he go to jail? Will he do this? Well, it is, it is possible, but unlikely. So I think, uh, where did I have it here? I had it somewhere. What it, I think it holds eight, a maximum of 18 months in jail and a $5,000 fine, but with a gun, it's a mandatory five years. So in other words, you caused the death in some sort of accident, it's 18 months possible. But if you did it with a gun, it's possible mandatory five years. So Alec Baldwin and his attorneys are going to have to weigh this when they do their back and forth with the district attorneys. So in other words, do you go hard at this? Do you, do you resist and say, fuck this, I'm not doing it? Or do you say, uh, I might be in the jackpot here. How do we plea this down? What can we do to not get jail time? So you know, they, they basically say he was holding on the gallon. Now, here's some crazy shit that I just found. The movie's filming again. And he's still the lead. And the guy that took the round in the shoulder, Sousa, he's still directing it. You can't make this shit up. You smoke check the director of photography with a long cult. You wait a year and then you go back to filming right after you get criminally charged. But here's what they did. They moved it from New Mexico to California. And I guarantee they're probably in L.A. County. So if there's any other accidents, they got that jackass Gascon district attorney who won't charge anybody. He lets gangbangers out for shooting people. So it's, it's Hollywood elite protecting Hollywood elite. Now, Helena Hutchins, she's the poor girl who gets shot. She is a Ukrainian born, what we would call here a military brat. Her father worked for the Soviet military. She was raised in Murmansk, which is like the Northern part of Russia, just East of the Northern part of Finland, which is like the gates of hell to live up there in that freezing cold weather. But she came to the United States and she married an American. They have a son. They have a son. She, so this poor boy now is without a mother. You know, she had an aspiring film career. She had not aspiring. She was in it. She, she had a pretty substantial film career going on. And, you know, you're working with guys like Alec Baldwin and other people on that movie set. And she's, she's in the game. She's legit. That poor little boy, her poor husband now is 
had to bury his wife and a poor young boy is, is going to be raised without a mother. And you don't hear much about that, which I find really sad. Now, Alec Baldwin. Let's talk a little bit about Alec. This guy's a stud in, in the movie world. He doesn't really get involved in too many movies that don't do well. And like I said earlier, I, I've been a fan of his acting. He's, he's good as an actor. How is he as a human being? Well, he's got some issues. And those issues, I bring this up because those issues are showing themselves right now. He's just a kid. He's a kid from New York. He's, he's born in Long Island. He's born out in what? Amityville. Raised in Massapequa. His mom is um, from Syracuse, New York, and his dad's from Brooklyn. He's got three brothers who you probably all know, right? Danny Baldwin, Billy Baldwin, and Stephen Baldwin. All actors. All successful. Alec is the most successful. And his brothers didn't, are no, nothing to you know, sniff at either. They're, they're pretty good. But he was raised, normal family, pretty, pretty well off, you know, nice, nice, raised nice. But he's got a little, it shows in his, in his adult life, he's got a little bit of an anger management thing. He's done some pretty shitty, stupid things. He punched a photographer for taking a picture. And listen, I'm not a TV personality. I'm not a movie star. I'm not one of these people with massive amount of fame or anything like them. And they, I, I know the paparazzi's got to be a pain in the ass and they're following you around and, and, but you made a decision to get into this world, knowing that that's a part of that world. You can't just arbitrarily go punch one of them in the face, you know, and then you have jerk offs like Whoopi Goldberg out there going, you know, I, good for him. Good for him that he, that he stood up to the photographer. Well, no, not really. Cause he probably paid a shitload of money. He, so he's been locked up for that. He's done some other things. He's done some good things. He's in philanthropy. Um, the Carol Baldwin, his mother cancer research fund at Stony Brook university hospital. He put money into that countless awards, but he had a previous marriage to a, an actress, Kim Bassinger, and or Basinger, I don't know how you say it. And it was an ugly split uh, from, from what we read here. Then in 2007, he got this crazy thing. They had a daughter together and he called her a rude, thoughtless pig, through rude, thoughtless little pig. And it came out on a voicemail message and it was released. And he later admitted to Playboy magazine in 2009 that he contemplated suicide over the voicemail that had leaked to the public. Okay, folks. That struck me. And, and, and if you read that, you might breeze right over and be like, oh, that's really unfortunate. Okay. He should never have a gun in his hand, fake or not. He is, he is what is considered by being a person that contemplated suicide, a person not to possess firearms. So what do we do in his world? We hand him a live firearm, even though we're supposed to just have blanks in it. I don't think he should be anywhere near them. And if he is, he definitely should have people around that know what they're doing. So he's, he self-admittedly was suicidal at one point. He contemplated committing suicide in 2007. In 2008, he has a book called Fatherhood and Divorce. He's going to give you a book on fatherhood. He's called his kid a rude, thoughtless little pig. So it is what it is. And then back when, what was it, 1995 was a photographer incident. And then the shooting incident. Alec Bolden got big into political views. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring this back around while I'm talking about this. He's a big, hardcore Democrat and bore, you know endorsed and did dinners for the Clintons and the Obamas and everybody. He's a big supporter of, of PETA. Uh, and animal rights and save the manatees and all this other crazy stuff that he gets involved in. That's all very, very good. And one of his appearances on comedy uh, in Late Night with Conan O'Brien in 98, right before Bill Clinton was to be impeached, he talked about Henry Hyde, I guess one of the people involved, and he says, uh, if this was another country, we would stone Henry Hyde to death and we would go to their homes and kill their wives and their children. We would kill their families for what they're doing to this country. And then, you know, later on, he says, look, it was satirical. It was comedic. Okay. It's not really that funny. It's kind of a stupid thing to say, but Alec Baldwin made a big, big hit. But one of his skits that he got a lot of play on 
which we all remember and laughed at, was his in impersonation of Donald Trump. And he bashed Donald Trump. And he had a lot of bad things to say about Donald Trump, whether you like him or not. The funny thing is, he's just like him. In some ways, he's an egomaniac, right? He's, he's got a big ego and he's, he's, doing, he's doing skits on him. Alec Baldwin became everything he made fun of in, in reality. In his personal life, it's, it cannot be easy. I'm not defending anything he did with this shooting, but it cannot be easy being one of these famous people with everybody always crawling around you trying to get information about your family and whatnot. But at the same time, you don't have to make, your, you and your family don't have to make it harder on yourselves. You can, you can, you can make it easy. How many times you see actors like Paul Newman and people like that, they, you never hear from them. Never. They, they live their lives. They have happy ham- families and great marriages and this and that and the other thing. But he's got this thing with Kim Bassinger. Went right. Now he's married to a young, much younger woman. And her name is Hilaria. Hilaria Baldwin. I say it with a Spanish accent. You'll know why here in a minute. This is comical. Hilaria Baldwin has recently been called out for being on TV with a Spanish accent. Now, I don't know. I didn't know anything about Alec Baldwin's wife, nor did I care. But it was on the news. He was even on CNN and Fox and all of them. Even BBC put a big thing on it where she she shows up and she she starts speaking with an accent. Most recently after the shooting, it's like, you know, you don't know about my family. You guys are following us around and you got to stop this. And everybody's scratching their head going, what the hell is that? So Hilaria Baldwin. Interestingly enough, Hillary Lynn Hayward Thomas. That's her name. Hillary Lynn Hayward. Does any of that sound Latino to you? No. You know why? Because it's not. Thank you. All right. Who is she? She's born Hillary Lynn Hayward Thomas in Boston. Her mom's Catherine Hayward, her dad, Dave Thomas. Her mom's a doctor, Mass General, and Harvard, uh, Harvard Med School. Her father's an attorney with an undergrad degree in Spanish literature from Haverford College and Georgetown University. They founded International Integrators and Integrative Health Organization, blah, 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 blah. Now, a year before she married Alec Baldwin, they moved. Mom and dad moved to Mallorca, Spain. She's got a brother named Jeremy Hayward Thomas. She claims she was raised in a Spanish-speaking household. Now, I don't know whether mom and dad could actually speak Spanish, but none of them are Spanish. She is of English, French, Canadian, German, Irish, and Slovak descent. She's got no Spanish. But she did vacation once or twice in Mallorca, or many, maybe more than once or twice. That's not to my point. That's like saying, well, I'm not Spanish, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. And for her to come on TV and, and get in front of a microphone and start yapping away with a Spanish accent is, listen, man, you can pretend you are whoever you want to be, right? Especially in this day and age, right? We got boys want to be girls dressing up this way. Girls want to dress as boys. We got kids pretending they're fucking cats, want to, want to piss in a litter box in a girl's room and clean it up with their feet. I don't give a shit what you want to do. But folks... You're you're as American as as you're a kid from Boston, and you just decide to show up later with some some accent and pretend you're something else. They have like seven kids. You know, I don't want to bring kids into this, but I, I will just say that they're all named Spanish names: Gabriela, Carmen, Gabriela, Alejandro, Romeo, Maria Lucia. She's she's doing all this. She's naming everybody. I don't know. Well, she gets this accusation after she sh- appears in public and Twitter user. Of impersonating a Spanish, allegations of cultural appropriation. And they, they likened her to that woman, um, I don't remember what her name was, but remember the lady who, who went around saying she was a black lady, uh, some out west or something, and she decided to tell everybody she was black and, you know, her, 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 she was, you know, treated 
poorly because of her black upbringing. And found out she's white as white can be. She's like Opie Taylor. Well, she's one of them. So my point with this is Alex has kind of surrounded himself with controversy in every bit of his life. He's got the ex-wife who can't stand him. He's screaming at his kid. It's all over the media. Your life is in a fishbowl, which is sad, but it's true. You got a wife now who named all your kids after Spanish people, and she's walking around with a fake Spanish accent. And you're looking around like, don't you people understand like what my life is like? Hey, your life's fucked up, bud, because you let it be. And now you're on a movie set as a producer, and you shot and killed the film director. And you're looking around going, it's other people's fault. Always on the under the yellow tape, what we say is, look, we're going to tell you about it. You make up your own mind, your own decision. I didn't understand why there was talk of criminally charging Alec Baldwin when this all happened. I do now. I completely understand it. And after reading the actual statute and then hearing about everything that went on there and the independent objective investigations of both criminal criminal uh, investigators and OSHA and everything that went on and all the shortcuts that were taken and the things that were not put in place to do this on the cheap, that poor woman lost her life because people made poor decisions. She's dead. And dead is permanent. That little boy, Andros is his name. That's the son. He doesn't have a mother. Because of stupidity and arrogance and people being cheap and thinking that they're above the law and they can do whatever they want. So what's going to happen to him? I don't really know. But I can tell you this. He better sit down with his lawyers and have a chat. Because in the event he does go to a jail cell, and I'll admit it's an unlikely event, but if he did, he's not going to do well, okay? He's not built for that. He's not built for the New Mexico state prison system. He'll be a veal cutlet before the first day at lunch. So he better think about what he's going to do. Now, I'm going to give a piece of advice, which I normally don't do, but I'm going to do this. If I'm Alec Baldwin and I've been involved in this, my next tact would be this, to be incredibly apologetic to be out in front of this and do something like this. So after Hutchins' death, a filmmaker named Bandar Aboliwi, and he went to some conservatory directing fellow classmate of hers back in 2010, he immediately proposed a ban of real guns on film and television sets. He created a petition for something called Helena's Law on change.org. And that, that petition was signed by actors, Olivia Wilde, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Ariana DeBose, Julianne Moore, Anna Paquin, Elijah Wood, others, and some, even a state senator he's working with, Dave Cortez or Cortezzi, to propose California legislation that would make it a felony to even have real ammunition on a film set. This is where Alec Baldwin should be, because I'm looking at the names that signed this. He's not one of them. Why wouldn't you be one of them? You're the guy that pulled the fucking trigger. You should be. You should be contrite and apologetic. You should be out there. You should be the voice of change for this industry and the voice of making this safer. Coming up with, I mean, we have in law enforcement, we have um, simulators and we take guns and they are CO2 charged. They don't fire projectiles, but they recoil. Can't you CGI effect this shit into Hollywood? There's really no reason for you to have them, but you're all screaming about guns in the public but you're the one using real guns on the thing and accidentally shooting people. So my opinion and my, my, my advice to him was get out in front of this and be a good person. Be a better person than you're being. Stop pointing fingers at everybody else. The video evidence is going to show you're holding the gun, you're mishandling the gun. The other evidence and statements are going to show that you didn't do your job as a director and a, I'm sorry, a producer 
in charge of hiring and firing and making sure certain things were in place. So instead of fighting it and becoming everything you've made fun of, be the good. Something bad happened at which you were the point man on. Take that. Become the good. Change this. Make her death something that can institute change for the better. And this isn't the first time that there's been a firearm accident on a movie set and a death. Be the guy that takes the point and makes it something different. And people will empathize and people will forgive you. But you're not that guy. You just don't know how to do it. So you better get your head out of your ass and figure out what you're going to do next. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be somebody's puppet if you end up in the New Mexico State Prison. As we say all the time, make your own decision. Look at this, okay? The, um, this document is online. You can look them all up and see what you think and if, make your own decision. Um, we're not here to change your mind. We're just here to open your mind. I know there's a lot of fans of Alec Baldwin and they feel very bad. Well, before you, before you go patting them on the head and stroking them out and saying, you know, poor Alec, learn the whole story. There's a lot more to it, all right? Thanks for listening and we will talk soon.